Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we ask now that uh, once again you would make us attentive to the words that you um, have spoken to us by your spirit and in the person of your son. As we read uh, and hear and as we hear preached um, the message of Jesus' kingdom, we pray that you would give us new life new hearts, that you would um, return us again to you, and that you would work in us by your spirit the the character of Jesus, that we might, as we've been um, hearing already today, that we might love as Christ has loved us. And it's in his name we pray, amen. So we're continuing um, in our series in Matthew on the issue of discipleship. And uh, remember, I've been using the, uh, the, the idea of, a, of an apprentice to kind of describe what it means to be a disciple, right? An apprentice is someone who learns from a master and imitates that master, spends time with him in order to begin to be able to do the things that the master does. And that's, uh, I think, a wonderful picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And uh, just as we've been doing, I'd love for you to kind of join me in rehearsing kind of some of the main points that I want to keep hitting on in this series. So uh, remember, discipleship with Jesus involves, repeat here, being with Jesus. Being with Jesus. Developing the character of Jesus. And joining Jesus in the works that he is doing. Now, uh, we've seen that Jesus says some very challenging things about what it means to be a disciple, uh, that we have to, in order to gain our life, lose it, right? Take up our cross. And we also hear Jesus say that to uh, come to him uh, will give us rest, right? His burden is, his, is light. And so those two um, statements sort of seem in tension, but as we've been hopefully uh, looking at Matthew, we've seen that Jesus is inviting us into this new way of life. That, that requires a sort of death and a breaking from our old way of life, a losing of our life in order to find life, in order to find rest, and that Jesus' way of being in the world really is light, and it's for freedom and life. So as we continue to look at the Sermon on the Mount today, um, we're continuing to give ear to Jesus, who Matthew shows us is the true Israel, the one who perfectly embodies the calling of Israel and is reliving their history and doing it as Israel should have done it. And that he's also the king of Israel, the one who rules over this new kingdom that he's forming around himself. And so as he's gone up on this mountain and begun to, to preach this sermon, we're reminded of Moses when he you know, gave Israel the law. And we see that Jesus is forming a new community around this new way of life. And that he begins by saying, this is where the blessing of my kingdom is. This is where the happy life is found. This is the ones who are fortunate. He begins with these blessings. 
And so as we um, continue in this sermon and we hear these three blessings that uh, I just read a moment ago, um, I want you to remember that first, these are announcements of good news. Before we start thinking about what it means to become like these Beatitudes, we need to remember first that Jesus is announcing the blessing of his kingdom. So hear this as a as a, an announcement, and then only secondly, as a summons, as a call to be near these sorts of people and to become like these sorts of people. Last week we saw we are to be humble. Good news, the kingdom of God is for the humble. Today, uh, I want us to see that there is good news for the just. And I said last week that the, the kingdom of God is is hard to grasp because it's sort of upside down, right? Um, in order to be exalted, we have to get low. And we're also going to see today that Jesus' kingdom is backwards. In order to move forward, we have to go the other direction, right? It's sort of like a bow and arrow, that when you pull and there's tension and resistance and we're going seemingly the wrong direction, but as we let go, that's how the movement forward takes place. And Jesus' kingdom is sort of like that. The world is a broken and distorted place. Jesus comes in bringing a new kingdom and it's inverted and it's backwards from what we expect. And so I want you to hear this good news today from King Jesus, that he blesses the humble and he blesses the just. Let that shape who who you are becoming. To be a disciple is to begin to embody the character of Jesus, and that means that we're going to become increasingly just people. So um, let's first look at the hungry, and then we're going to look at the merciful and the pure. So first, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, who are these people, this this group of people, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? What Jesus is talking about here is those who have a deep desire for what is good, for what is right, for what is just. They, They long for the world to be made right and also that they personally would be people who increasingly conform to the will of God, right? This, this, uh, this pairs really well with what we saw last week about those who mourn, who, who lament, who weep over the brokenness of this world and their own contribution to the brokenness of the world. The flip side of that is people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They want to be conformed to the will of God. They want to do what is right. And they want the world to increasingly reflect the kingdom of God. And Jesus uses this this language of hungering and thirsting because what he's talking about here is a deep craving, a desperate craving, right? I mean, think about what it means to starve or to pant, right? It's this consistent and ongoing desire to be satiated, right? And as you can probably tell, I've never gone that long without food or drink, and uh, I don't know fully what it's like to be starving or uh, to be so dehydrated that I, that I might die. But I've learned, um, as I've read about this, um, that when someone gets to a state of being severely hungry, when someone has not had any liquids for a long period of time, that desire to be satiated becomes overwhelming. It's, it's almost impossible to think about anything else. Um, because you're so focused on what you desperately need in order to survive. And there's a sense in which I think that's what Jesus is talking about here, is that there is a deep desire for righteousness, for, for what is good, for the right sorts of things to be happening. And that desire um, supersedes other desires, right? The, the opposite of this would be those who crave 
comfort and pleasure and security and approval and ease above what is right. And if we're honest, that's, that's us most of the time, right? We just want peace for ourselves. We just want an easy going life. We don't want too much trouble. But Jesus says we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those other things will be added unto us. He says, that is where the blessing of my kingdom is, is on those who hunger and thirst and crave and desire what is good and what is right. And for those people, he says, you have good news. You will be satisfied, he says. You will be satisfied. God will fill you. He will quench that thirst by giving you that righteousness. The filling of God here represents this work of transformation in your life. Those who desire to see the world look the right way, those who desire to actually be conformed to God's will, that God will work in your heart to slowly transform you and begin to make you live more and more justly. And as you start to live more justly, you will get an even deeper desire for righteousness in your life. So the blessing of God's kingdom comes on those who desire what is right, who desire a just world. Now, friends, this is backwards from the way the world typically works. What do we seek after every day? We want to be satisfied, yes, but we want to be satisfied in all sorts of things, in weak things. We want to be satisfied with comfort and with ease and security. What's good and right is is kind of important to us, right? I mean, most of us care about what's right and good, but... Often, that falls below our desires for uh, simple things. Doing what is right is costly, isn't it? It's disruptive, it's painful, it's inconvenient. But it's what actually brings deep satisfaction. That's what Jesus is telling us. And Jesus shows us this in his own life, that he, the righteous one, came into an unrighteous world and he desired right things. He desired the good and he pursued it with his whole life. He sought to make the world a better place. He called out against injustice and unrighteousness. And this angered his family, the community, the church, the nation. It was disruptive. And so the world killed him for it. And he went to the cross hungering and thirsting to the point of death in order to make us righteous. So we've got to be people who seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. That is where the blessing of God's kingdom resides. A disciple of Jesus is someone who is going to be craving holiness in themselves. They want to be more and more holy. There's not this sort of lackadaisical attitude. There's a a sense in which they know they need to grow. They need to increasingly conform to God's will in their life. There's a, a contriteness about them. There was a longing for a renovation of their own heart. And there's a willingness to face the cost of that, to, to do the right thing, even though they know that's going to mean missing out or, or um, provoking hostility. It's going to be painful and difficult. And so we pray as we pursue being just in the way that we live and as we long for a more just world. Secondly, the merciful. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Now, who is Jesus talking about here? What what does it mean to be merciful? Uh, At at bottom, it is to be someone who is filled with compassion for those who are suffering. It is to be someone who forgives and isn't eager to exact vengeance and to pay back those who do evil against us. It is 
kindness and help to those who are in misery and poverty. It's not paying others back for the wrongs that they have done. And the opposite of this sort of person is someone who is is heartless and indifferent and even maybe vengeful. I mean, think about the Pharisees of Jesus' day. These are people that were strongly concerned with justice, or at least it appeared that way. And so they had little compassion for those who were suffering because they looked at them and thought, you deserve what you are getting. You've probably been unrighteous. That's why your life is so miserable. Now, if you think about this, this this, this blessed are the merciful, there's a tension here almost with what we just saw in blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus is saying we should have this strong desire for justice and for doing what is right, and, but we're also to be people who are merciful, who have pity on those who maybe haven't done right. How do both of these things hold together? We're to be, we're to be soft, this gentleness about us. We care about justice, and yet we're not eager to dispense it on those around us. We have compassion for people who are suffering even because of their own sin. How is that possible? Well, it's only possible if we are first and foremost deeply aware of our own need for mercy, right? Um, If you think about it, it's very hard to show mercy on other people if you see yourself as living a good life and having a good life because you deserve it for all the good you've done. Why should other people have mercy? But if you know you need mercy from God and from other people, then it begins, uh, becomes much easier to show mercy to those around you. And as you think about what it means to be a merciful person, you, you might kind of reflect on that and notice that these are often people that get taken advantage of, isn't it? The people who are merciful, who forgive, you might think, oh, those are the pushovers. You know, those are the ones that uh, folks run around uh, on all the time and they kind of you know, stomp on you and walk all over you because you're so nice and compassionate. But Jesus is not talking about being a people pleaser here. He's not just talking about always trying to get people's approval by being really kind of friendly. He's, he's talking about actually being able to name evils done against you and to bear the cost of forgiving people when they have wronged you telling the truth about the wrong they have done. It's not just about being nice. It's about genuinely showing mercy to those who have sinned. And the promise Jesus offers for the merciful is that they will be shown mercy, right? Jesus tells us in other places, the standard that we use on other people to judge them will be used on us. Those who show mercy then will also be shown mercy. Those who show compassion and forgiveness to those who are suffering and sinning, Jesus says, on you is the blessing of my kingdom. And this, friends, is also backwards. This is not the way that the world typically works because we typically function, at least outwardly appearing, like we care about fairness, right? Um, We forget about our own need for mercy and we kind of want to go around making sure everyone's getting exactly what they deserve and that we get what we deserve, right? Think about um, Matthew 18, the parable Jesus tells about the the steward who is forgiven um, this huge debt and then turns around and fails to forgive someone who owes them this small amount. That's how we function daily. We, We regularly forget the massive debt that God has forgiven us of. And we turn around and we constantly demand of others these minor debts that they repay us. We operate as if people should get what they deserve. We kind of forget what that would mean for us. But friends, Jesus lived his life as a truly merciful one. He had every right to leave us in our misery 
for destroying God's good creation and to pay us back for all the ways that we have offended him. And yet he came into the world with compassion for those who suffered for sinners and he received our judgment on the cross so that we could be shown mercy. And so we have to become people who are gentle and compassionate and quick to forgive other people. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to remember our own need for mercy above all else and then to have a soft heart towards those who are suffering and those who have sinned against us, eager to relieve the suffering of other people. Thirdly, the pure. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. The pure in heart. What does he mean by that? Well, Jesus speaks of the heart here, which in this context and in much of scripture speaks to the innermost part of a person's being. It's sort of a contrast with the external, what everybody can see. The heart is the inside. It's what drives our lives. And he says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, that that truly seek God in an undivided way from the innermost being. They have integrity. They're not divided in their loyalties. They're not worshiping idols. They seek God above all else. And I think it's beautiful to think about this. Jesus is not saying, blessed are the smart. Blessed are the high performers. Or blessed are the emotionally uh, pious, right? He's not saying any of that. He's saying, blessed are the pure in heart. Those who seek God from a clean conscience, who have integrity, right? Those who are concerned with and and do right, even when it's not seen by other people, right? And the opposite of those that are pure in heart are hypocrites. Those who outwardly, they have a lot of piety, they talk about God, they talk about all the things they're doing, but inwardly they are worshiping idols. And they're ravenous. I mean, think of the Pharisees. Jesus condemned them because they, they looked like they cared about God. They were outwardly very pious. They talked about all the right things, but they devoured widows' homes, we're told. They, they used God's law to prey on the weak and the poor. They loved money. They were greedy. I remember uh, this couple that I knew years ago that was sort of obnoxious in just how often they talked about their own piety. Um, they just drove everybody kind of nuts. They were always talking about how they excelled in spiritual things. Um, it, was, it was almost embarrassing to hear them do it. Um, and th- they were constantly talking about how much they loved God and how they did their quiet times. And it, it was almost, um, it, you could tell that they weren't really concerned about God so much as impressing everybody. And um, you know, years later, they, they both walked away from the faith. And um, they've... They've now done, they're doing the same thing, but after like very different sorts of humanist causes, you know, and because it's, nothing has really changed in their life. They're still seeking the praise and approval of other people. And if we're honest with ourselves, that, I mean, that is so easy for us to do. That, that's common for us to do. That's our flesh, is to, um, is to do pious things, to appear righteous to people or to gain some sort of approval or for greed. There could be all sorts of reasons, but Jesus says the blessing of his kingdom is on those who are pure of heart. They genuinely seek to see God. That's the promise that Jesus gives here too. Those who are pure in heart, they will see God. This is a reference to what we call the beatific vision, the beautiful vision of God. It is our highest good. It is what we are created for, which is to see and to know and to delight and enjoy God himself. 
And friends, it's our sin that hinders our ability to see and enjoy God. You know, our knowledge of God, our ability to know what he's like and to enjoy him is hindered by our own distorted, sinful hearts that, that constantly desire things that God has made above him and that blinds us to who he really is. But Jesus says, if you're pure in heart, if you have integrity, if you're undivided in seeking me and wanting to know me, you will see me. You will be able to enjoy me. The pure in heart see God with undivided hearts of integrity. And this also is backwards when, uh, than the way we think about the kingdom. Because we typically think it's the people who, who really give it their all who live the happy life, right? It's, it's the impressive people. It's the, the ones who are, they excel at doing or um, they're very pious. At least they look that way. They're very smart. But Jesus says it's not those people who actually get the happy life. It's not the go-getters who achieve happiness. It's not the um, externally pious people. It's those who from a pure heart seek after me. And friends, Jesus actually did enjoy the beatific vision. I mean, this, this was um, what he experienced in all eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit delighting in one another in this perfect fellowship. But the Son of God came into the world. And he took on flesh and he lived with total purity of heart, always seeking after God with integrity. He didn't live an impressive life as the world counts impressiveness, but he went to the cross and for a, for a time, he lost that beautiful vision of the Father. He failed to see the beauty of God as he was snuffed out on the cross. It was lost so that we would be able to see God. So we've got to be people who from a true, undivided heart seek after him. That's what a disciple of Jesus is all about. Someone who has purity and integrity and avoids external showiness, doesn't have to display their piety, cultivates a private devotion, worships God, delights in God, cleanses their heart with repentance, seeks to know God through his word. Jesus says, on you is the blessing of my kingdom. Now this feels a little different than last week, doesn't it? You might be sitting there right now going, ooh, this is... It's kind of heavy. I don't, I don't know if I'm as encouraged as I was last week. Are you feeling the weight of that? Last week it was, all you need is nothing. Come to God with your emptiness. All you need to do is be broken over the state of this world. All you need to do is be meek. The kingdom is with you. And now we're hearing, you've got a hunger and thirst after righteousness. You've got to be merciful. You've got to have a pure heart. How can any of us be like that? But the good news is the very thing that Jesus says the blessing of his kingdom is upon is something he supplies. The, the renovation of the heart is a gift that only God can give us. To have this sort of heart, to be a person who truly longs for God's righteousness who is undivided in loyalty, who longs to see God. You cannot be that sort of person unless the Spirit of God gives you a new heart. And you cannot continue to live that way unless the Spirit continually is renewing you and bringing you to repentance and cleansing you and, and carving off that dead flesh, giving you new life. Friends, Jesus, the righteous one, who is filled with compassion and forgiveness and who lived with total purity, he gave his life so that his spirit could be sent into you to give you that heart. 
So first, you need, you need to know that you have nothing. That's what we saw last week. You come to God with nothing. You have emptiness, and he gives you the righteousness of God, and he sets you right, and he brings you into his kingdom. But we also see that he gives his spirit, and that spirit renews us, and we live in this continual state of poverty, and as we do that, God begins to cultivate in us a hunger for what is right and good. He begins to soften us so that we begin to see people more and more with compassion rather than judgment. We begin to long more deeply to actually know God and to see him. And what I'm saying here is that all of this is on offer to those who put their faith in Jesus and continually trust in him to give us these promises. He tells us that he will satisfy That on that last day, we will be shown mercy. That we will experience the greatest joy as we behold the most beautiful thing that we could ever imagine seeing and come to know God personally and intimately forever. That's the good news of Jesus' kingdom. Receive that and believe that. And then let that take root in your life and begin to pursue being the sort of person that that Jesus is speaking about here. If you know that you're not as you should be and you long to be changed, that itself is a work of God in your life. The fact that you desire to desire righteousness is a work of God in your life. If you begin to see other people and have some compassion for them and all their misery, even though they've screwed up their lives, that itself is a work of God in your life. If you want to know God, even though you're very confused about him or hurt or angry, or you sense that you've got some divided heart in you, if you want to know God, that itself is a work of God in your life. And so be encouraged by that and know that the kingdom is already coming to you. As disciples, we we develop the character of Jesus. And that means we learn that the way up is down, the way forward is backwards. And it's counterintuitive, but all of a sudden it starts changing us over time and we begin to learn to navigate. Just like I said that last week about the, the remote control in the video game. You know, one video game, you press up and go forward, you press back, you go backward, and Jesus' kingdom, it's all flipped and inverted, and it's, just, it's what happens. We start to get a feel for this new kingdom. You want satisfaction? We go, oh, it's not going to be in these things. I hunger for righteousness. That's where I'm going to find satisfaction. I want justice in the world. Oh, I got to show mercy to people. I want joy. Ah, I need to see God. It's counterintuitive. But Jesus says, this is the blessed life. This is where happiness is found. So as we go to the Lord's table, I want to invite you to come in this way. I want you to come and feast on God's promises, looking for satisfaction that only he can give looking for mercy that only God can supply, that you would come to the table actually looking to, uh, to, to taste God himself, come desiring to be satisfied, to receive mercy as we feast on Christ's body and blood. And we remember that he gave his life for us, that we might live and that we might be forgiven. Let's pray together.